Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Monica T, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And today is Friday, August 4th, 2017. And today we are reading from the big book. We are in the chapter Into Action, and we are on page 79, and we will be reading second and third paragraphs this morning. Today's readers are The Twelve Steps, Katie G., The Twelve Traditions, Liz V., and our text readers are Penny C. and Anita J., and our newcomer greeter today is Kathleen M. The share ID for yesterday, Thursday, August 3rd, 2017, the 7 a.m. meeting is 10234, 10,234. And the share ID for yesterday's 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting is 10236 or 10,236. And the host for the second hour will be Lynn S. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating, and compulsive food behaviors, and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Katie G. to read the 12 steps for us, please. Good morning, Monica. Can I be heard? Yes. Good morning, everyone. This is Katie G., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater, anorexic, and bulimic in Boston. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, thought through prayer and meditation. 
to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for the knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for allowing me to be of service, and I pass. Thank you, Katie G. And I will now ask Liz V. to read the 12 traditions for us. Star one to unmute Liz, please. We can't hear you. Thank you. I'm sorry about that. This is Liz V, gratefully recovered compulsive overeater. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon AA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for a membership is a desire to stop drinking. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or AA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the alcoholic who still suffers. Six, An AA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the AA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every AA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Alcoholics Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, AA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Alcoholics Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the AA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. Twelve. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thanks for allowing me to share a pass. Thank you, Liz V. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and the literature that we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinent requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinent requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. And once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. So today, we are resuming our study of the big book. We are in the chapter, Into Action. We are on page 79, 
We will be reading starting with the second paragraph. Usually, however, other people are involved. Two paragraphs will be read and comments will be taken on both of them. And I am going to ask Penny C. if she would read that for us, please. Good morning. Thank you, Monica. Thank you, everybody who's on the line. This is Penny C. I am a recovered compulsive overeater from the Boston area. Usually, however, other people are involved. Therefore, we are not to be the hasty and foolish martyr who would needlessly sacrifice others to save himself from the alcoholic pit. A man we know had remarried. Because of resentment and drinking, he had not paid alimony to his first wife. She was furious. She went to court and got an order for his arrest. He had commenced our way of life, had secured a position, and was getting his head above water. It would have been impressive heroics if he had walked up to the judge and said, Here I am. We thought he ought to be willing to do that if necessary, but if he were in jail, he would provide nothing for either family. We suggested he write his first wife, admitting his fault and asking forgiveness. He did and also sent a small amount of money. He told her what he would try to do in the future. He said he was perfectly willing to go to jail if she insisted. Of course, she did not, and the whole situation has long since been adjusted. Again, this is Penny C., so so happy to be back reading again uh, this morning. Uh, yeah, what these paragraphs are saying to me is what we were told a few pages back on page 74, where it told us the rule. The rule is that we always be hard on ourselves, but considerate of others. And it's good to read here that usually other people are involved. It's good for me to be reminded about that when I am you know, need to make amends myself or when I'm working with others, that there are many, many cases that I'm aware of where for the person involved to come forward and say, yes, as in one case, yes, I did put in for more time than I worked. Um, Many people are on an honor system where they get paid by the hour, but they're out on the road, and they submit how many hours they worked. And I did have the case of a woman who realized when she got to the step that she needed to make some kind of a restitution. However, she had three children. She was a single mom, and she indeed was concerned that were she to come forward and admit what she had been doing, that she would lose her job and probably not be able to get another one very, very quickly. And and that's, that's a real dilemma. It, 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 but we still, we still need to take some action. And so I suggested that she go to her boss and whom she said she had a good relationship with and explain what she was doing and ask if she couldn't pay back 
just as this man in the story that we're reading about did, pay back small sums at, at a time. You know, and then the other thing we need to be aware of, and it's going to tell us on the next page, that we need to pray about this. We need to talk to God, and we need a guide. We need someone who has experience, who's recovered himself or herself, who can give us give us good direction and not get us, you know, into this, what does it say? Um, oh, I just like that word pit. Um, you know, uh, we, we're not, we're not, to sacrifice others to get ourselves out of the alcoholic pit. And with that, I'm going to pass. Thank you. Thank you, Penny C. And for those who may have just joined us, we are on page 79, and we are just commenting on the last two paragraphs of this page. And who else would like to comment this morning? This is Larry K. Larry? Chrissy G. Chrissy? Vasa O. Vasa. Leslie W. Leslie. Oh, you're all being so nice to me this Barbara morning here. Barbara E. <laughs> Donna Thank P. you, Barbara. Oh, okay, I heard Barbara E and I heard someone else. Donna P. Donna. Donna P. Okay, let's go with that to begin with here. Larry K., Chrissy G., Vasa O., Leslie W., Barbara E., and Donna P. You're up, Larry. Good morning. Hey, Monica. Good morning. Good morning. Can you hear me okay? Yes. Okay, good, good. Larry K., uh, Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Chicago. Just want to jump in here. Um, you know, I, I need to draw a distinction here for me. Um, in making my amends, I... I, I I expressly don't harm others merely in the in the uh, in the interest of unburdening myself, right? So I know there were times when I I just felt and heard that if I want how free do you want to be? And I thought, well, I better I better unburden myself. There wasn't a lot of thought about the harm that I may bring to someone else, and I was still, I think trying to manipulate and control a situation. And that was really at the core of the problem still. I, I didn't understand that. I was, I think for me, I was fooling myself that I will only gain, gain freedom from this dreaded disease if I manipulate this process, if I take control of this process. And that was really the opposite of humility. Humility for me was listening to someone else who had been uh, along this path, uh, you know, um, seeking their guidance. Obviously, even prior to that, or maybe simultaneous to that, I would seek the guidance of my higher power. That's, you know, as a sponsor, I think for me, it's if I am, if I am bringing the person closer into alignment with me, I'm doing them a disservice. Rather, what I, what I choose to do, particularly with this step nine in mind, when, when there's some tough decisions here, is to say, you know, why don't, you, why don't we pray about this? Why don't we set aside everything we think we know about what, what's the best course of action here? And why don't we go to God and ask God to fill you, maybe in me, with what, what God would have us think and feel and do in this situation? Because the truth is, 
I, I, I don't know. I don't always have an answer. Why don't we do that? And if we need to pause a little bit and wait on, on the answer, you know, that was important. And that was really good advice for me because there were, some, there were some cases, wrapping up, Monica, there were some cases that I think I brought some harm to others um, in the interest of unburdening myself, and I could have done well. I was doing a disservice there. So that's my only um, uh, caveat with this here, and with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. Thank you, Larry Kay. Chrissy G, you're up, and then Vasa O. And if you're not Chrissy G, please mute your phone. We have an echo. Oh, okay, just one moment. I think I know why. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, I think it was my phone. Hi, it's Chrissy G, Recovered Compulsive Overeater and Anorexic from New Jersey. And I, um, I could have a lot of grandiosity with this step and I didn't realize it, you know, I thought, cause my temperament and we all have different temperaments. My temperament was always, you know, to be a people pleaser. And I didn't, I thought that that was, that just showed how selfless I was and how I just wanted peace, love, and, you know, tenderness throughout the world. And I was just, you know, had like this hippie attitude. And I, I honestly did not see how selfish I was. I was so controlling and manipulative in my kindness and in my, you know, in my apologies and my wanting to, you know, have peace with everybody. And, and it was, it was controlling. I didn't see it. And it was so good to be able to see it. And I had to have such self-restraint with this step. My, my sponsor was really um, so helpful because that I wanted, I wanted to just go and I wanted to make nice and, and go to people and I wanted to say things that would have disturbed them and disturbed their lives. And, you know, to me, it would have just, you know, God would have come in and healed us all and it would have been this wonderful um, rekindling of relationships and healing and building of bridges. And, you know, that what I've come to know in some spiritual maturity is that life isn't all neat and tidy. And it's not the world, according to Chrissy, that everybody should be, you know, um, doing um, the jig together and, and happy and joyous and free together. Some relationships are meant to end. And some people are meant to be left alone, and that's the best amends I can make to them. And and I had to learn that because I just thought everybody would be so blessed with my presence. And I laugh now, but I honestly, you know, really do believe that that was my understanding of myself and 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 people's need to to have me in their lives. You know, not everybody needs to have Chrissy in their lives, and and that's good. Wherever God will have me be and use me, the people that I affect in my circle, it's very small. I mean, the amount of people that I can interact with on a daily basis is is not is not big. There's only 24 hours in a day, and so much energy, and and so I I'm so grateful to have the people who are meant to be in my life stay after this event, and the people who were meant to move on, move on, and with that, I pass. Thank you, Chrissy G. Vasa O, you're up, and then it'll be Leslie W. Yes, thank you. Good morning, Monica, for your service. I'm Vasa. Grateful, grateful, recovered, compulsive reader calling from Foxborough, Massachusetts. 
And I'm just so grateful that I had a sponsor to guide me through the steps. I had no clue. I didn't know what. I just, you know, I just wanted to put the food down, and I thought that was going to be the end of it. You know, my life is just going to be wonderful, you know. Well, yeah, I put the food down, and a lot of stuff was just coming up that I had repressed over the years and, and suppressed. So anyways, but, you know, like making things right, uh, she always... Um, you know, pointing me to go back to my higher power, which I call God today. But somehow I felt like I needed something, somebody in skin. I needed the uh, feedback, you know, how they dealt with stuff, what they did, you know. And that was good. God put people, you know, for me that can give, give me a feedback. And I was really grateful for that. But she always said, you know, you know, I want you, to, whenever you make a decision, especially a big decision, you need to go to God and ask him to help you. Uh, it, that's going to be between you, between you and God. You need to meditate and listen for the answer and don't take an action too fast, you know. Think. Think before you do anything. And um, I know this is like restoring relationship or making amends to other people for things that we've done in our lives. I remember going to Macedonia. I thought I would never go over there. And, you know, I was led, I did a vacation, and my aunt, my oldest aunt, she was the one that was living, left out of all my aunts, and she said um, how my uncle was blind and my brother was stealing cigarettes from him, and God put it in my heart and at that moment, you know, and I said, you know, Auntie, I need to admit to you that I remember going in the barn and, you know, stealing some cheese from there, you know. And she just laughed and she said, oh, honey, you must have been really hungry. And, you know, I paid and repaid that family and my aunt because they're poor, poor, you know. And uh, I was working and, I, you know, I made it up to her. She never asked for to make it up or anything, but I made it up. It was more from healing my heart. And then uh, I remember going through a cash register uh, um, st- store, you know, buying a bathrobe for my husband, and they made a mistake, and it was really a lot of money. It was like probably $45, $50 years ago. That was a lot of money. And I justified. I said, well, they made a mistake. I didn't. Every time my husband wore the bathrobe, it reminded me, you know, it was really stealing. I needed to tell them to be honest. You know, when I came, again, make amends, I took the bathrobe and I gave it to the needies. So I'll wrap it up, you know. We can't hear you, Vasa. Vasa, star one. Sorry, uh, my phone was interfering, so I passed with that. Thank you. Thank you, Vasa. Leslie W., you're up, and then it'll be Barbara E. Thank you for your service this morning. This is Leslie W., recovered compulsive overeater in Tennessee. Therefore, excuse me, therefore we are not to be the hasty and foolish martyr who would needlessly sacrifice others to save himself. Yeah, um, I need to talk about that this morning. Um, Difficult 
to share because it was an unpleasant experience. <laughs> but I think it's important to point out for those people out there who who uh, may be new in this process. Um, when I was first making my ninth step amends, um, I by- bypassed my sponsor, which I don't recommend doing, and uh, I went straight to my husband and unloaded on him. Um, about an inappropriate relationship that I had engaged in with a man at my work when we first got married. This was the first year of our marriage. We had just moved to Hoboken, New Jersey from Nashville, Tennessee. Um, There was a lot of things going on at that time, but out of my selfishness, and uh, my desire to have attention that my husband wasn't getting me, I giving me at that time because he was actually studying to become an attorney. Um, and I remember doing this, and I remember telling him, and I remember thinking about, well, this is this is good. This is good. I need to be honest with my husband. I need to tell him, you know, I, it's going to be better. I had these like unrealistic ideals in my head about he would just forgive me on the spot and he would say oh it's okay honey I know I was a jerk during that time anyway with my nose in the book and I never paid any attention to you I know it was so hard for you trying to go from being a naive little southerner to all of a sudden living in you know the New York area and trying to like manage you know blah 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 blah, whatever it was I just expected for him to just understand and 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 let me tell you, he didn't understand. And not only did he not understand, but he was really angry, and rightfully so. Um, I did, I did more harm. Um, any thought in my head about how it would affect him? I just wanted to unload. I wanted to unburden myself. I was the hasty and foolish martyr who needs sacrifice and stuff. Not the first and only time that I did that to my husband, by the way. So I just want to say, learn from my mistake. Don't do what I did. Take the advice of the people on this line. Do things step by step. Let the sponsor be your guide. Let your God be your guide. And uh, don't, don't, don't unburden yourself uh, at somebody else's expense. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Leslie W. Barbara E., e. it's your turn, and then it'll be Donna P. Thank you. Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. Well, I made two amends to people and institutions before I actually did my formal um, work on step nine with my sponsor because the uh, it just presented itself to me, and I did it honestly, sincerely, and eye to eye. But for the rest of them, I prepared with my sponsor. We had a plan of action. We prayed, and she told me I had to go in, if at all possible, look the person eye to eye, be honest, succinct, and sincere in my apology. There were some restitution, some harms I'd done to people and institutions a long time ago. 
So we devised a plan together, my sponsor and I, to work out a living amends for the supplies I'd stolen when working in a, in a teaching position. I, found, I give money to the scholarship fund every single year that funds a high school senior from the town uh, for college. For, I, in addition to that, I have volunteered uh, to tutor children and adults who want to learn to improve their reading skills or uh, learn English. I also volunteer uh, because I abuse the my husband's handicapped placard. I avoid, I simply do not do that anymore. But the only amends I could make is to volunteer, we came up with this, to read over, um, I don't know, an app, the radio uh, news of the day to adults and others who cannot, for one reason or another, read it themselves visually. I give money to the Interfaith Food Bank because my sponsor and I agreed that ShopRite and other institutions, probably uh, the money that I gave to them would go straight into someone's pocket. I don't know if this is right or this is wrong, but every month when I give money to the Interfaith Food Bank, I feel like I'm doing something good to pay back for all the money I stole. But my important thing is that when I do it, I feel so much better about myself. I can look myself in the eye in the mirror, and because of that, I can look at you and others with love, caring, and understanding on a day-by-day basis. Thank you. I pass, everyone. Have a good Friday. Thank you, Barbara E. And we're hearing somebody's phone. <laughs> Donna P., it's your turn. Good morning. This is Donna P., a recovered compulsive overeater in New Jersey. Grateful to be here. Thank you so much for your service, uh, Monica, and everyone who's shared. Um, the few, first few times that I went through step nine, with a recovered sponsor. There was an amends that I knew that I needed to make, but when I described it to my sponsors each time, I told a very um, surface uh, definition of it. I would not tell the entire amount because I was too ashamed to admit what I had done. I thought that if I admitted this fault that I had done against this person 30-something years ago, that I would face legal repercussions that I did not want to contemplate. And, you know, time after time that I went through the steps afterwards, you know, sometime in the future, even when I considered myself recovered, I would find myself picking up again and not being able to find out why and constantly being plagued by the fear of this particular amends that I needed to make. It was always, always on my mind. And I heard a um, another fellow in vision discussing the things that block us from God. And one of those things was a secret that you will not tell. And I knew it was about this particular amends for me. So I prayed 
And I got the courage to finally, after 30-something years, tell the complete truth about this harm that I had done this person to someone in the program. And she was just so receptive and so kind to hear this and not judgmental at all. But the best thing was she was able to help me see this from another perspective. And the way that I will make amends to this person was not, not at all what I had feared. And I felt We've lost you, Donna. We can't hear you, Donna. Can you hear me now? Sorry. Yes. Yeah, now I can. Okay, how much? Okay, anyway, I felt very free after I finally told the truth about the harm that I had done to someone. And I just can't even describe it. So I just want to say to anyone out there, who has an amends that you're afraid to take, either because of shame or because of fear of legal repercussions, I just encourage you to pray for the willingness to do it because it has made such a difference in my life in every way. And I feel like I can walk free with God's help every day. And I am so grateful. So thank you all for your service. And thank you to the person that helped me with this. If you're on the line, thank you so much. And um, that's all. Thank you for letting me share and I pass. Thank you, Donna P. And for those who may have just come on, we are on page 79. And we are taking comments on the last two paragraphs on page 79 that start usually, however, other people are involved. And who else would like to share this morning? Reva P. Reva. Matt M. Matt. Renata. Renata. Anybody else? Okay, this is what we've got right now. Reva P., Matt M., and Renata G. Reva, you're up. Good morning. This is Reva P., Grateful, Recovered, Compulsive Overeater in Toronto. The first paragraph that we read reminds me that I cannot get my peace of mind at another person's expense. But what's really striking me today is the beginning of the second paragraph where it says, we thought, um, which reminds me, Step nine is um, not about apologizing and making excuses. It's amends, which means I'm changing for the better. I'm changing, and I'm moving away from a Reva-directed way of thinking and living to a God or higher power-centered way. Um, So, you know, with my formal amends, it was really important to do it with the guidance of a sponsor but as I continue to live in 10, 11, 12, um, you know, when I, when I can uncover, discover, ask God to remove defects, that's lovely. But I get into this trap where I think, okay, I've got this. I know what the defects are. And here's how I'm going to make amends. Here's how I'm going to change 
my interaction with people. Here's how I'm going to do it differently. And that is so not the way um, I don't think it's meant. It's meant I go to God, as other people have shared. What is the worker you envision me to be? What is the wife you envision me to be? How should I handle this? And a lot of times God speaks through other people who are you know, ahead on the path of recovery um, that can be objective and give me guidance. So it's so important for me to remember that it's wonderful to have the enthusiasm and the willingness to change, but not only do I not change myself, I don't even know how I'm supposed to change. I have to ask a power greater than me all the time for every little thing and, and, uh, and the big things. Um, and then wait. Wait for the answer. Um, because when I'm putting in solutions um, to my defects, it, it doesn't work. Uh, and with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Reva P. Matt M., you're up, and then it'll be Renata G. Thank you, Monica, for your service. Good morning, everyone. This is Matt M. from New Jersey. Um, and yeah, I can't make myself feel better at the expense of someone else. I have a few amends that, that I need to make towards my brother, but he doesn't understand. He's developmentally disabled, and he's also mildly retarded. And talking to him would just harm him because he doesn't remember anything I've done to him. So I have to be very careful. What I have to do with him is like a, a living amends, treat him well, Call him more often, take his phone calls when he calls me because sometimes it's hard to have a conversation with him. Not that I get resentful, but it's like pulling teeth. So I have to realize that I got to keep my conversation short with him so I don't say anything that I regret that I have another amends to make for. You know, so it's not easy doing those amends, you know, that I have that I, um, because I just want to feel better, but I have a lot of guilt. And, um, it that that those feelings, if I let them stay with me, allow me to eat. I have to, I have to find a peace of mind without, without um, making amends, certain amends that would hurt the other person more than help, help them. Cause it's about my cleaning up my side of the street, but again, I can't clean up my side of the street if I'm going to hurt someone else. And I'm grateful today that I don't have the willing, that I have the willingness to not do that. And I'm um, grateful everyone is here today. And with that, I will pass. Thank you, Matt M. Renata G, it's your turn. Thank you, Monica, for your service. Good morning, family. This is Renata G, Recovered Composable Reader, calling from Thailand. Um, you know, I'm thinking of step nine, and what's coming up for me is, um, you know, we've been learning, right, through the steps. Um, you know, we've done the writing, right, the inventory. We've learned about our behaviors and character defects, Um and uh, just like going to school, you know, we, we learn about the subjects we need to learn and uh, then we take a test, right? And step nine is like taking a test, a practical test on, you know, not living in self-will anymore to really think about other people, uh, which is the complete opposite of how I've lived my life before this program program and and um you know um the only reason i had to make to make amends was because all the actions i took were based on self like what can i get out of this how can this benefit me and you know i didn't think of others at all and that's why i needed to make amends and so now i have the opportunity to practice everything 
that came up for me with the step work and really, you know, practice thinking of other people. Even if that means that I could get into trouble, right? Like the book says, but uh, the main thing is I have to be willing to do whatever amends is revealed to me through my higher power and my sponsor. And um, in my experience, all the amends I had to make, even the ones that were really difficult, uh, it was always worth in my head. There were wonderful outcomes that I could never have imagined, like other people shared on the line. And so, you know, I believe that as long as I have the willingness to do what, you know, is revealed for me to do, then my higher power comes in and does for me what I could never do for myself. Um, It was a very freeing process, and I'm very grateful. I had the opportunity to make restitution to a lot of people. With that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Renata. And we are on page 79, the last two paragraphs. And who else would like to comment this morning? Sigrid F. Sigrid? Anybody else? <laughs> Lori P. Oh, Laura? Lori? Lori P? Yes. Okay. Anybody else? All right. Well, we'll work with that. Sigrid F., it's your turn, and then Lori. Thanks so much for giving me a chance to share, and thank you for your service today. So when it came time to do my amends, I oh, and I'm sorry, I'm Sigrid F., and I'm in Florida. Uh, when it came time to do my amends, I had my mother came up, kept coming up. I knew that was a really big one in my life. And the first time that I went through figuring out how to do that, I did get advice and I I did get help, but I don't see her all that regularly. So it took me some time to figure out, you know, kind of how it worked. Um, Because it's a little bit of out out of sight, out of mind for me. But when the time came, I realized, you know what? No, I'm still, I, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't say this quite right. So I knew I couldn't, do it to her. I knew based on the advice I had gotten and based on my own heart that to talk to her directly would really harm her much more than it would help me. And um, so I, so I went about figuring out, well, what do I do instead? And that's where, when I was working toward that, ultimately I realized, hmm, that really didn't work. And so kind of had to go at it again and figure out, all right, you know, let's, figure out another way. Let's try again. Let's talk to people kind of all over again. And after that time, which by the way, it was probably an 18 month period between the first time and the second time. So I just wanted to share, and I was relieved after that. And it was a miracle because this, these resentments had been going on for 35 years in, in my head. So I just wanted to share that sometimes this really isn't a one and done either. You know, the, that, they're complicated relationships and complicated messages in my own head that it, it it might take a little time to figure out the right way to 
go about the whole process. So thank you for letting me share today. Thank you, Sigrid. And Lori P., it's your turn. Good morning. This is Lori T., um, compulsive overeater. And um, I really like this term about impressive heroic because even now when I read that, I get a certain smile that, yes, I'm doing something so much more wonderful than the average person can do. You know, I'm in recovery and... I'm just in such a better spot. And I see that I still have a temptation to, um, you know, I think it's called showboating or hot shotting or something. Even in, even yesterday I went to um, a location and told the person, um, well, essentially this, I kind of asked what, what what would be the most appropriate amend. Here's what, what I would like to do. Um, what do you think? And that person gave me some really good suggestions. And first, of course, but please don't even worry about it, that's nothing, blah, blah, blah. And I did um, feel that slight, um, well, this, this is just so amazing what I'm doing. I'm, I'm just such an awesome person, <laughs> which is so ridiculous. And, of course, you know, it's about my true humility and false humility. And I like that statement about not being a tasty and foolish martyr because this isn't about, anything except me getting right with God and cleaning up the wreckage of my past. I also really appreciate um, in in the second paragraph about um, asking for forgiveness. Um, I I don't know if I have done that in an amend. I mean, I've gotten very good guidance and feel very content not only with my sponsor's uh, guidance, but with my prayer life about the way I've done them. But I am going to pray if if asking forgiveness should become um, a phrase in certain amends of mine. As of now, that hasn't been a phrase, but I see here that the gentleman did do that when he wrote the letter um, admitting his fault and asking forgiveness. And also he made a small gesture. So he said a small amount of money. He didn't tackle it all in one one bite, but it was kind of like um, like an olive branch. And I know that there's a phrase, um, earlier, I think, in a reading about the olive branch or um, ending up being the hand of God. And so I know that God can work through an amend, even through making a small gesture if I can't fulfill the entire commitment at the time. So those are just some things that stand out to me. But mostly I want to say it's so good to be here, and I'm so appreciative for visit. And I feel um, that this is truly my family, and I just I can't live without you guys. So thank you so much, and I'll pass Thank you, Laurie P. And we've probably got time for about three shares. And who would like to have a spot here this morning? Leanne F. Leanne? I think I heard someone else after Leanne, but I did not catch your name. Sue G. Sue G. And who was the other one? Oh, maybe I'm not supposed to. Anita G. Anita. Okay. All right. Leanne S. Sue G. and Anita. Okay, Leanne, it's your turn. Hi. Hi, it's Leanne S. Recovered Compulsive Overeater. And um, just talking about amends today just reminds me of how I, too, was so afraid that when I went out and contacted these people that I was going to have to be their friend again, that I was going to have to send them Christmas cards and remember their birthdays and 
call them once a month, and I just, uh, I was so worried about all that. Um, my sponsor did not want me to do letters. She wanted face-to-face, number one, face-to-face. And um, if not that, then um, it had to be a phone call. So I had to go on um, Facebook and, you know, find some people. And I didn't find it like that at all. Um, you know, I told them what I was doing, the mission that I was on. And like someone said before, the people who stuck are the ones that God wanted to stick in my life. And the others, you know, just at least I cleaned my side of the street. Um, it also reminds me of how, um, you know, the food that I had wasted growing up, you know, as a bulimic anorexic, and I didn't eat the food. I would do all kinds of things with it, but I never ate it. I wasted so much food, and that was something that bothered me so much. So we did a calculation of, you know, approximately how much um, that cost my mom and dad and the types of food that I binged on. And um, we decided that it would be um, good for me to donate those particular types of food to our church pantry and also to volunteer as often and whenever I can, like at Thanksgiving, to deliver meals to the prisoners and things like that. Um, Not the prisoners, uh, homeless people. Um, so I continue to do that because it's a, it's a lifetime. It was an astronomical amount of money. But just to get an idea, I needed an idea for me. It, it meant it was so important for me to make amends to my mom and dad because of how much I wasted. And they they came out of the Depression and they were very frugal. And, you know, here's me, you know, this, you know, anorexia and bulimia was like a, high society, rich person disease in, in my mind. So the immense process really, um, really brought humility. And I remember the first, the, when I made my first one, the ball started to roll. Like all of a sudden I got in the groove and the next one appeared and the next one appeared. And then I found that person. And then I came up north here and my brother and my cousins, everybody just appeared and it was like, one after the other, I felt like I was on a roll, and it just felt like like sweeping the street clean, because people had known me here in Pennsylvania um, before I was shipped to treatment down in Florida, and I was a big mess, and, um, you know, people worried about me, and um, it was just really good to talk to them and to sit face-to-face and come clean with you know, with the garbage I had created in people's lives, just just by mere worrying about me. Time. So, and then I was that time. I didn't hear. Yes. Um. Anyway, okay. I thank you very much for letting me share. I pass. Thank you, Leanne. Sue G. It's your turn, and then it'll be Anita. Good morning. This is Sue G. from Michigan, recovered by the grace of God. I had a real battle going on with, well, how to handle something that could have been considered a criminal offense. Um, Because the person that was done, the one person I would have gone to did not, was not aware of it. And the other person involved um, probably had no memory of it by the time I got around to it. And um, without going into any particulars. And 
we decided for me to get into a children's ministry at my church and to um, donate some funds um, to the ministry. And I still, to this day, It, it when people mention certain things um, or when I'm doing uh, another later, years years later, when I did another um, step four and was doing amends, I still was thinking, was there more I could have done? Could I, you know, I would have ruined a friendship because she did not, was not aware of what went on. And... Um, and I really did talk to my sponsor a lot before we decided what I could do. Um, it wasn't so much that I was afraid that I might go to jail, but it was afraid I was afraid of what would happen to our relationship um, with my friend. And to this day, we still have a little distance, but we still have a friendship, and she still sends me cards once in a while. But I still wonder, you know, what, what more could I have done? Um, I would have had to have gone and admitted it to uh, a lawyer somewhere, I guess, or something. Um, so sometimes the feelings don't go away. Maybe you've, maybe you've done your amends. But um, I prayed for a long time. For, for, to forgive myself. Um, God forgave me, of course, but I had to learn to forgive myself. And I was the best friend I could be after that, made living amends. And I just wanted to share that. Thank you. Thank okay. you, Suji. Anita J., it's your turn, and you got two minutes. Two minutes. I knew it. My timer's here. Anita J. recovered in Massachusetts. Usually other people are involved. This happened when I first joined. This is over 30 years ago. I was 40, and I enter OA and lose weight, and suddenly I discovered the opposite sex. This usually happens in adolescence, but I was a very... The op- I did not let myself make a move, uh, anything at all that was appropriate. And so I had a miniature adolescence. Um, and um, short-lived, but it was like speeded up what most kids, you know, all through high school and all. But the point of the story is I took a chance that actually was because of OA. I took a chance, and you know, I've learned in this program now that um, the outcome will show you uh, if you've made the right, you know, reparation, because I ended up, you know, in marriage counseling with my husband, and it was all a direct result of this taking a chance but it was inappropriate at a 40, 40 years old, married. And, um, but the outcome set our marriage on the, on, the, on the direct course. 
that a marriage should be. I had no idea what, what a wife is from my background or a mother or any of it. And so I'm actually grateful that it all happened. I learned from it and I've been able to actually pass that information. Every once in a while, someone comes across my path where what I went through is of help to them. And isn't that how God does it? No matter how shameful you feel, he'll use it. He'll use it. And so with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Anita. Perfect timing. And thank you to everyone who has shared this morning. And our share ID for today, Friday the 4th, 2017, the 7 a.m. meeting is 10,238, 10238. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Anita, can you read for us, please, from 164? Thank you very much. Anita, again, from Massachusetts. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning medication, meditation, what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.